Hello, this is Joel welcoming you to the 2355th edition of the Enfield Talking newspaper. The readers this week are Mary, Sarah M, with Hass on the controls, and we are Team C. Our title music is Country Rock Polka, composed by Pat Prilly, Fernand Bouillon, Harry Breyer, and performed by Jean Jacques Perry, and is used with his kind permission. The local news stories that, will be, that we will be reading come from the Enfield Independent and Dispatch, Enfield Historic Society and Enfield Council and are their copyright. The event's information has been collated by us from other sources. The lead story this week, GP surgery rated worst in country. Before the news, we have one or two special news items and notices. First, the sunrise and sunset times for the week beginning the 21st of August are 5.55 sunrise and 20.11 sunset. We also have some special notices from Enfield Vision and Enfield Home Library Services, which will be read to you now by Mary. Enfield Vision. We are a group of visually impaired people determined to improve the environment and to reduce the everyday problems of blind and partially sighted people. We are registered with the Charity Commission as an organisation with the specific aim of promoting the well-being of visually impaired people living in Enfield. We hold a drop-in morning on the third Thursday in each month from 10am to 1pm at Park Avenue Resource Centre, Bushill Park, Enfield. And exercise classes are also now running again. Oh, I like the pun there. Here are the dates for the next few months. Thursday the 17th of August, unfortunately that's this week. Thursday the 21st of September. Thursday the 19th of October. And Thursday the 16th of November. For further information, please contact Enfield Vision on 0208 373 6260. That's 0208 373 6260 and their email contact details are information at enfieldvision.org.uk and from the Enfield Home Library Service um, did you even know Enfield had a home library service? This means that if mobility, disability or caring responsibilities make it difficult for you to visit the library, then we can bring the library to you and there is no charge. The Home Library is run in conjunction with the Royal Voluntary Service who vet and manage our volunteers. You tell us the sort of thing you like to read and we will select books for you and deliver them to your home once every four weeks. As well as ordinary print titles, we have audiobooks on CDs and large print titles. There are also a limited number available in different languages. Separately, the Enfield Home Library Service offers assistance with digital library content, so we can help you get to grips with borrowing e-books or audiobooks from the library to read or listen to on a phone or tablet. For more information, or if you would like to sign up for this service, you can call Shona Tivan on 07826-511094. That's 07826-511094. Or email enfield.hls at royalvoluntaryservice.org. UK. Do get in touch with us to share your news and special announcements. We love to hear from you. If you have any special any comments about the Enfield Talking newspaper, please phone Diane De Jersey on 07899854582. She is your listener's representative and will be pleased to help you. Now I will read the first item of local news. GP surgery rated worst in country. Practice Carers for Those Who Are Barred Elsewhere by Alex Marsh A GP surgery that provides care for people who have previously shown violent or threatening behaviour has been rated the worst in the country by its patients. Just 11% of patients at 
Medicus Select Care in Tenniswood Road, Enfield, who responded to the GP patient survey 2023, described their overall experience at the practice as good. Most said the practice was very poor. This represented the worst overall satisfaction result for any GP surgery in England. Medicus Select Care provides services to patients who have been removed from their previous surgeries lists due to violent or threatening behaviour. Across all of Medicus Select Care sites in North London, more than half of patients said that their GP surgery was good. A CQC inspection of Medicus Select Care in July of this year upheld the watchdog's previous good rating for its services, but the Enfield site was criticised by patients with just 22% stating it was easy to get through to the practice on the phone and even fewer, 14%, finding its receptionists helpful. A total of 21% described their experience of making an appointment at the surgery as good. Just 12% said that they were satisfied with the appointment times available at the practice. Across the whole of the North Central London integrated care system, which covers Barnet, Camden, Islington, Harringay and Enfield, 62% of patients described their surgery as good. A spokesperson for NHS North Central London Integrated Care Board said, Medicus Select Care is a provider of the Special Allocation Scheme, SAS, service across North Central London, Bedfordshire, Luton and Milton Keynes. These practices provide primary medical services to patients registered here following violent or threatening behaviour. SAS services ensure this group of patients can continue to access GP and wider healthcare services whilst the practice works with them to support a return to mainstream primary care. They added, We take the issue of access to all NCL services seriously and we will be working with Medica Select Care and other practices to improve access, experience and satisfaction. Extra £25 million for Meridian Water. The government has agreed to hand over an additional £25 million to help Enfield Council deliver crucial infrastructure works, including new streets, bridges, cycle lanes, footpaths and parks at Meridian Water. But previously planned upgrades to rail capacity remain on hold. The first new homes are currently being built on a site adjacent to Meridian Water Station, but progress on the next phase of the 10,000-home regeneration zone is heavily dependent on new infrastructure being delivered with government cash. Whilst the Department for Leveling Up, Housing and Communities had agreed a £170 million funding package three years ago, the projected costs have increased due to rising inflation. The Council has been negotiating with the Department for more money to cover the works and announced last month that it had secured a larger funding package of £195 million. However, the dispatch has been told that this higher figure still does not cover the cost of long-planned railway upgrades that would enable Meridian Water Station to be served by four trains per hour. It was revealed earlier this year that they had been put on hold. The £195 million figure does cover an extensive range of works, including the naturalisation of Pims Brook, two new parks, roads, bridges, footpaths and cycle links to be delivered over the next few years. Council leader Nessel Kaliskan said, the infrastructure funding will pave the way to continue building much-needed homes for the Edmonton community. This funding is a further vote of confidence from the government in Meridian Water. It shows how important the scheme is in providing new homes at a time when the Department for Leveling Up Housing and Communities uh, has returned a £1.9 billion earmarked to tackle England's housing crisis back to the Treasury as they could not identify projects to spend it on. Meanwhile, we are moving forward positively. Meridian Water is increasingly becoming a hub of activity as the project is rapidly progressing in all areas. 
We are set to unveil our first council homes later this summer and the first phase of Meridian 1 is well on its way to deliver 300 homes. North Mid staff star in Channel 4 dock showcasing work of emergency services. Major trauma units at Edmonton Hospital is one of those featured in new series of Emergency starting this week. Emergency airs on Channel 4. Staff from North Mid Hospital will feature in a new series of a Channel 4 documentary showing how the emergency services come together to treat people who suffer from traumatic injuries. Groundbreaking show Emergency returns to TV screens on Tuesday the 15th of August. With its unique minute-by-minute format covering the decisions made by emergency service personnel that form part of the London Trauma Network, including, for this series, staff from North Middlesex University Hospital NHS Trust. The programme, which first aired to great acclaim in February 22, shows how staff work day and night to care for the most seriously injured people in London and the south-east of England. It includes staff from London Ambulance Service, London's Air Ambulance and the capital's major trauma hospitals. From serious road traffic accidents to knife violence and the dangers faced by older people from a simple fall, the show reveals how NHS staff provide world-leading and compassionate care. Dr Clara Oliver, Emergency Medicine Consultant and Clinical Director for Emergency Medicine at North Mid, said, The expert care the team at North Mid provides within the London Trauma Network is vital in successfully treating people who have traumatic injuries. It's a privilege to be able to share their stories alongside those that we have provided life-saving treatment for. In April 2010, London was the first area in the UK to implement a regional trauma system, ensuring the highest quality care for its population of 9 million people. Since then, the London Trauma Network has established a world-leading reputation for improving survival of the most seriously injured patients. This has been led by major trauma centres at St Mary's, the Royal London, St George's and King's Hospitals, plus major trauma units at North Mid and Kent's William Harvey Hospital. North Mid features in an episode of Emergency airing on Wednesday the 23rd of August, but the series started on Tuesday the 15th at 9pm on Channel 4. Emergency is produced by award-winning documentary makers Garden Productions. Club signs up to Safety Charter. Initiative aims to make capital safe for women by Richard Fletcher. Tottenham Hotspur has become the first football club to sign up to the Mayor of London's Women's Night Safety Charter. The charter is dedicated to ensuring the capital is a place where all women should be able to feel confident and welcome at night. The Women's Night Safety Charter is an established pan-London initiative originally launched in 2018 by Sadiq Khan, Mayor of London, his Deputy Mayor for Policing and Crime, Policing and Crime, Sophie Linden and London Night Tsar Amy Lamey. The Charter is part of the Mayor's Tackling Violence Against Women and Girls strategy and London's commitment to the UN Women Safe Cities and Safe Public Spaces Global Initiative. Since it was launched, a range of organisations, including the O2, Transport for London and Ministry of Sound, have signed up to the Charter pledging to nominate a champion within their organisation who actively promotes women's night safety, demonstrate to staff and customers that their organisation takes women's safety at night seriously, remind customers and staff that London is safe, informing them what to do if they experience harassment when working or travelling encourage reporting by victims and bystanders, train staff to ensure that all women who report are believed, train staff to ensure that all reports are recorded and responded to, design public spaces and workplaces to make them safer for women at night. Tottenham Hotspur is a club dedicated to equality and inclusivity with its stadium one of the largest and most iconic venues in the capital. The stadium has 24-hour security with an office located at its northwest corner directly off Tottenham High High Road 
which anyone feeling threatened or experiencing harassment at night is encouraged to report to. All event day stewards, 24-hour security personnel and club shop staff receive training in line with the Charter, with a newly appointed health and wellbeing lead championing night safety throughout the organisation. Tottenham Hotspur Foundation, meanwhile, delivers a range of evening programmes across its local community, enabling women and girls a safe environment to participate in sports and physical activity at night. New clean air route improves air quality for school children. A new school street and clean air route have been launched in Upper Edmonton, designed to improve road safety and air quality. The route on Grove Street outside St John and St James's Church of England Primary School in N18 was delivered by the Enfield Council's Journeys and Places programme to encourage people in Enfield to make sustainable daily journeys for themselves and for the planet. The work is part of a wider regeneration programme around Four Street, Angel Edmonton that was funded through the Mayor of London's Good Growth Fund. The primary aim of school streets is to remove motor traffic from outside of the school gates to improve air quality, make the public space more welcoming and provide opportunities for social interaction and children's play. Unlike other school streets in the borough that operate at set times from Monday to Friday during term time, the restrictions on Grove Street are permanent and will apply 24 hours a day and seven days a week throughout the year. The area will also benefit from improved access to the new affordable workspaces for young people at the recently launched Angel Yard. A day of celebration took place at St John and St James's Church of England Primary School on Thursday the 20th of July to mark the completion of the works and to highlight the benefits the school street and clean air route will bring to the area. The day began when the architects of the project did a presentation to the school children at the school's assembly, along with Enfield Council's Cabinet Member for Environment, Councillor Rick Jewell, to show how the students' ideas contributed towards the school street design. Pupils attended their school summer fair later that day, which saw many activities, including a scavenger hunt at the school street and a smoothie bike where children pedalled to make themselves a fruit drink. Councillor Rick Jewell said, We are creating a greener Enfield and tackling air pollution by introducing more school streets in the borough. School streets help make walking and cycling to school safer by cleaning up air around schools and stopping dangerous levels of traffic. We've delivered 19 school streets so far and will continue planning more in areas where they're needed the most. We will always work closely with parents and schools along with nearby residents as we progress the schemes in the near future. As part of the project, an active travel route between the junction of Grove Street with Four Street and the railway overbridge at Joyce Avenue will improve accessibility and connectivity of the active travel network. The route will provide an opportunity for a potential future connection with Silver Street Overground Station in the north, Meridian Water in the east and North Middlesex Hospital to the west. Enfield has 19 school streets across the borough, improving air quality and making it safer for primary school children to walk, cycle and scoot to school. Local food charity becomes official catering partner for Enfield Town FC. Cooking champions will be serving up fresh cooked food to football fans next season. Enfield Town FC has struck a deal with a local food charity to become the football club's official caterers for the 2023-24 season. Cooking Champions will be offering its famous high-quality food to football fans at the club's Queen Elizabeth II Stadium after the two community organisations struck a season-long deal. The food education charity rapidly expanded during the pandemic to deliver meals to vulnerable people and now also runs free cooking workshops in Ponder's End. Enfield Town FC, England's first fully fan-owned football club, 
saw the potential for a partnership that would benefit both sides. As well as providing hot food on match days to Towners fans, Cooking Champions will be taking the chance to develop its local education programme. In a statement on its website, Cooking Champions said, This is going to be a fantastic community project, as we are going to train young people from the surrounding area how to work in the hospitality industry and make sure they are paid the London living wage. Supporters will be offered an array of high-quality foods with all profits going straight to our charity. This will help to continue our essential food support that has been running every single week since April 2020. To date, we have made and distributed 57,000 free meals and thousands of food parcels. Thank you to Enfield Town FC for this opportunity and we can't wait to see what the season brings. Up the towners. Our heritage at risk. Each year, Historic England, in consultation with the council, update a list of listed buildings that are at risk of deterioration. At the April Environment Forum, the council gave a presentation about the heritage at risk list. The good news is that compared to other London boroughs, Enfield is well down the list in terms of the number of buildings. Nevertheless, any deterioration in a heritage site or building is a concern. The majority are in private ownership, although some are in council ownership. There are 20 sites or buildings on the list, two are conservation areas, four are parks and the remainder are buildings. The conservation areas are Church Street, Edmonton and Four Street, Edmonton. In both cases, unsympathetic adaptations over many years has impacted on these historic areas. The parks include Brimfield Park, Forty Hall, Groveland and Trent Park. In each case, a conservation plan is being prepared to address the concerns and ensure that the historic fabric of the landscape is protected. All Saints Church, Edmonton and St Andrews Enfield are both on the list because of the need for major structural repairs. Short-term repairs have been carried out and funding is being sought for more extensive work. The Society is working with the London Historic Buildings Trust, LHBT, and the Council to try and remove the charity school Edmonton and the associated schoolhouse from the list. The Society is also working with the LHBT over the non-conformist chapel in Lavender Hill Cemetery, which has been at risk for over 25 years. The Society is hoping it can be renovated for use by the community. The Society has approved making a sizeable financial contribution to the LHBT for an options appraisal, the first stage for lottery funding. As previously reported, the Council is developing plans to resolve the long-running saga of Brimfield House. The stable block at Brimfield House is separately identified on the list. We are not aware of any proposals for that building. The remaining sites are the timber-framed barn at White Webb's farm, in private ownership. Planning approval has been given for restoration and conversion to residential use, but work has not started. Enfield Electricity Works, Ladysmith Road, owned by National Grid and includes an active substation. The terrace at Trent Park House, subject to subsidence but under repair by Berkeley Homes. Holly Hill Farmhouse at the Ridgeway, owned by the council. We are assured that the fabric of the building will be protected. North Lodge on Whitewebs Road in private ownership enforcement action is being taken. Southgate House, which has recently been sold to new owners and work is being developed to protect the building. The site of Elsinge Palace at Forty Hall on the basis that trees and shrub growth intrude on the site, possibly affecting remains below ground. At all these sites, the Society's Conservation Heritage Group is monitoring the situation and pressing the council and other parties to protect these historic buildings. Call to help identify new woodland sites. An M25 for nature could be created around the outskirts of London with help from local people able to identify sites where new woodland can be created. London's countryside charity, CPRE London, is aiming to create a tree ring for London, delivering a continuous circle of woodland around the capital and making an animal superhighway. 
The project will help ensure that London's green belt plays a more powerful role in carbon capture and strengthening biodiversity, along with improving the well-being of Londoners. The continuous ring of trees will bridge green belt gaps in outer London and create corridors for wildlife. In Enfield, 134,000 trees have been planted since 2020 by Thames 21 and Enfield Council as part of Enfield Chase Restoration Project, with 1 million new trees being promised in total by the Labour Administration at Enfield Civic Centre. However, the council is also proposing to build more than 6,000 homes on other parts of the borough's green belt, something opposed by CPRE London. CPRE London hopes a ring of woodland will help the green belt do its job of preventing urban sprawl. The charity's director, Anna Taylor, said, There is an urgent need for more tree planting, but this needs to be well planned with plentiful community input in order to maximise the potential benefits of new woodlands and guard against the loss of other priority habitats or prime agricultural land. We need to be creative in thinking about what London's community forest should look like. We need to ask ourselves, are there local green spaces near me where trees could be planted that would enhance rather than reduce their amenity value. For the growing mapping, sorry, I'll read that again. For the ground mapping of potential woodland creation sites, the charity needs reliable information on existing young woodland in the green belt, but also more widely across London. This will reveal where planting can join together with established woodland habitat. Potential planting sites could be put forward for government community forest funding, which would support the landowner to plant trees. CPR London itself also has limited funding available. Vintage Tube Carriage hosts Pop-Up Supper Club. While many of us have scoffed breakfast, a bag of crisps, or even a late-night kebab on the underground, have you ever sat down for a fine dining meal on the Tube? Supperclub.tube is a summer pop-up held in a vintage Victoria line carriage, and it sounds a lot nicer than most of the food-consuming experiences on the underground. Fear not, you won't be trundling along towards the end of the line, as the 1967 carriage is stationed at the Walthamstow Pump House Museum. The summer pop-up sees the carriage transform into a fully functioning 35-cover restaurant, complete with all the bells and whistles as a fine dining restaurant, while retaining the carriage's nostalgic charm. With one sitting in an evening, the Supper Club is a six-course Latin American-inspired menu from Chef Beatriz Maldonado Careno. The Colombian chef will take her homeland's culinary culture and work with British seasonal produce to create dishes such as frijole con aripa, which is beans and a traditional maize flatbread, tiradito de melusa, <laughs> a cured hake dish, asado, barbecued pork loin and beef rump, rump and beef rump rubbed in chimichurri, and postra barocho. <laughs> this is a heavenly sounding dessert of amaretto and rum-soaked sponge with almond custard and praline and mora compote and mousse. Alongside this, South American wines and cocktails will be available to quaff and to set the nostalgic mood, jazz will play in the background. Supperclub.tube is open from Thursday to Saturday and is currently taking bookings from Thursday, August 24th until November. The nightly seating is at 7pm and for six courses it's £67. Vegetarian, vegan and gluten-free menus are available on request. Various seating arrangements are available, including a large communal table and more intimate private tables. Tickets are available at supperclub.tube. We need to make outer London travel more sustainable. Centre for London researcher Zarin Mahmoud on how travel in outer London needs to change. We all know that we're facing a climate change crisis. We also know that the way we travel can make a big difference. 
by walking, cycling or taking public transport, we can help reduce greenhouse gas emissions and congestion while improving air quality. But when the same journey takes 10 minutes by car, but over half an hour by public transport, it's easy to see how the less sustainable option can be the more attractive one. This is the reality for many of us living in outer London, where there are fewer reliable transport options. The reality is that travelling sustainably is often difficult for us. Residents of inner London have a range of options available to them, with e-bikes, e-scooters, frequent buses and multiple tube stations densely packed in the centre of the city. But in outer London, the same level of infrastructure just doesn't exist, especially for local journeys. In outer London, where more children, families and older people live, a large proportion of people's journeys are local trips to schools, local shops and relatives' homes, among many others. The gendered nature of caring responsibilities means that women generally make those more, these more frequent, short trips through, uh, throughout the day. In contrast, men tend to make fewer trips, typically long-distance journeys during peak hours. But urban planning in London has often focused on transport networks that carry people into central London, reflecting a male bias. As a result, outer Londoners are often left with limited, attractive options to travel around their local areas. Infrequent and unreliable public transport options and the lack of safe crossing points, cycle lanes and shared transport options can prevent people in outer London from travelling in more sustainable ways around their local areas. That's why many people in outer London are reliant on cars, even for short local trips. More than half of all car trips made in outer London are less than two miles in length, only ten minutes on a bike. Research commissioned by a Green member of the London Assembly found that nearly a quarter of outer Londoners feel forced to own a car, 24%, compared to only 14% of people in inner London. The reaction to the ultra-low emission zone, ULES, expansion in some outer London boroughs demonstrates how many people feel that they have no option but to drive. Car dependence, car dependency is more pronounced in outer London with 69% of households owning or having access to a car compared to 42% in inner London. Acknowledging the differing travel needs and options available for people in outer London is essential to understanding how to enable more people to travel in more sustainable ways. That's why at Centre for London we wanted to research the issue. Our new report explores the ways in which sustainable travel can be supported in outer London. We're calling for national government to work with Transport for London and local authorities, providing the funding needed to improve the transport environment in outer London. This includes installing better street lighting, more cycle lanes for local journeys, more space for cycle storage and better car club parking. To improve the public transport options that people have in outer London, we're calling for increased frequency of train services and a requirement to deliver new bus routes for new housing developments so that people moving in have less need for a car. Improving the options that people have to travel sustainably for local trips is at the heart of making London a more livable city and it might save you having to drive next time you need to make a short trip. City Hall delays publication of a review looking at the feasibility of more toilets on transport network, reports Noah Vickers, local democracy reporter. And with this article was a photo of Caroline Russell, the Green group leader on the London Assembly, who is calling for more public toilets. A study looking at whether more public toilets can be installed across London's transport network has been hit by delays. The review, examining where and how more loos can be created at tube and bus stations, was promised earlier this year by Sadiq Khan. The mayor's team had said in May that they expect Transport for London, TfL, to share the terms of reference for the study with interested parties in June. But TfL now say the documents will be made available in the coming weeks. The need for more public toilets at the city's transport hubs has been raised for several years by the capital's politicians, as well as campaign groups such as Age UK London. Caroline Russell said it was incredibly disappointing that TfL haven't even shared their proposals yet. TfL and the Mayor's Office said 
Early work has started on the study and confirmed that Khan remains committed to it as he recognises the importance of free and accessible public toilets. Russell, who in February unsuccessfully tried to pass an amendment at City Hall to have more loos created on the network, said, Many Londoners plan their journeys around toilet availability. A properly accessible public transport system must include access to toilets and information on where to find them. Approached for comment on the delay in sharing the documents, a spokesperson for Khan said, The mayor recognises the importance of free and accessible public toilets for Londoners and he has committed to TfL carrying out a review of existing and new facilities on the transport network. TfL has started early work on this study and the mayor will continue to work with TfL, organisations and stakeholders across London in order to improve existing facilities and identify future opportunities for more toilets. Mark Ebers, Chief Customer Officer at TfL, said the organisation was also committed to the study and that it recognises toilet provision is important for customer care and particularly for disabled customers. The feasibility study was proposed by Khan after the Assembly's Labour Group blocked Russell's amendment to the Mayor's budget, which would have cost £20 million and seen 70 new toilets installed across TfL's network. Russell's amendment was backed not only by her own party, but also by the Assembly's Conservative and Liberal Democrat groups. The Labour group, who hold more than a third of the Assembly's seats and therefore have the power to block budget amendments, voted the proposal down, with group leader Len Duval arguing that the proposal just seemed too vast to commit to without first carrying out a study. Khan said at the time that installing toilets was a more complex process than many recognise, something he had realised only after a a programme of installing water fountains across the city. The mayor told the chamber, let me go ahead and do this feasibility study and see what progress we can make and I'll report back to you in the assembly in due course. Sailing star, Tottenham teenager lands Owls Prize. A teenager from Tottenham was told of his delights after winning the Best Young Sailor Award at Cows. Christopher Joel Frederick, 18, has this week been competing at the regatta on a boat skippered by the Tory donor Lord Offord. The youngster has been sailing for seven years and took part in the fast net race before competing at the Isle of Wight. He is the first winner of the inaugural youth trophy at the regatta after backing from the Scaramouche charity. Coming from a non-sailing background, Christopher Joel has had to overcome challenging circumstances with coach journeys of several hours from London to the coast to race. His passion for the sport was recognised at the age of 13 when he completed his first fastnet race aboard Scaramouche. He said, I feel very privileged to have won this award. It came as such a surprise. I love sailing and it felt so natural to me when I first started. So when the opportunity came up to continue... I took it. Regard to director Lawrence Mead said, while much of Cow's Week is about winning trophies, a big part is also about enjoying sailing and it is intended that this new trophy will recognise young sailors who have done something notable in the past year. This is from Sam Parkhouse. Art Trail to launch featuring 30 beautiful and unique owl sculptures placed around Enfield Barnet in Haringey. North London Hospice has announced the launch of a creative new art trail that will take people on a journey of discovery through North London as they visit at least 30 beautiful and unique owl sculptures dotted around Enfield Barnet in Haringey. The Big Fun Art Adventure is described as a free mass participation initiative in partnership with world-renowned Wild in Art, which will provide commissions for local, national and international artists to create a bespoke design for each sculpture that will stand over five foot tall. 
The big fun art adventure will turn spaces into places for eight weeks during late summer 2024. Each owl will be sponsored by a local business. Schools and youth groups can get involved creating their own owl designs for smaller three foot sculptures to be displayed at indoor venues across North London. North London Hospice launched a financial appeal in June with the support of local MPs to help cover its escalating costs, which now total just under £16 million. It is hoped next year's art festival will help raise vital funds for the charity. Sponsorship opportunities and an auction of each unique owl sculpture at the end of the initiative will also provide money to support the hospice's end of life care. Owls were chosen to represent the hospice, which serves Enfield, Barnet, and Haringey, because they are known for their wisdom and for passing on stories through generations and across cultures. The charity staff, like owls, also work through the night supporting patients and healthcare professionals. Declan Carroll, chief executive of North London Hospice, said, We are excited to launch our big fun art adventure, which is a fantastic opportunity for us to bring our local community together and showcase the wealth of talent and diversity that North London has to offer. There are so many ways that you can get involved. In addition to taking part in the trail itself, we will also have an exciting educational programme for schools and community groups. There's something for everyone. We hope that the big fun art adventure will help you get to know your local area and each other a little better, whilst helping us to make, our, make a difference to those who need us. It's going to be a lot of fun. The article has a picture of a very large and colourful Albert outside North London Hospice. Spurs Fan Stadium Challenge for Charity. Bid to sit on every seat in five hours. Five old-school pals who've known each other for five decades are planning to sit on the equivalent of all 62,800 seats at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in one five-hour sitting. Mark Fielding, Bruce McCabe, Robert Clark, Scott Lewis and Stephen Pettingill, all Spurs fans now approaching 65, left Ambrose Fleming High School in Enfield Highway in 1975 and are keeping the five theme with a target to raise £5,000 for research into motor neurone disease. Bruce's son Stuart was diagnosed with the disease soon after the birth of his baby girl at the age of just 35. Two of the groups still live in Enfield, retired BT manager Mark in Oakwood and retired civil servant Stephen in Ponder's End, and they meet up with the others each year over a pint. They decided they wanted to support Stuart with a charity fundraiser. We came up with the idea of sitting in every seat in the stadium, Mark explained. We've been Spurs supporters since 1969, the team that Stuart also supports. The Pals approached Spurs with their idea to sit in all 62,820 seats and Spurs bosses agreed to let them have the South Stand with its 17,500 seats on August the 22nd, which means they will take breaks and start all over again to equal the seating of the whole stadium. We knew we'd have our work cut out, Mark adds, so we've got friends and family joining in. Getting up and down will be difficult for some of us, so adudiators can say if we slide from one to another. The Pals did a trial run last month on one row of 34 seats, which took 60 seconds. They worked out from that just how long it will take and how many people they would need to help, and another five checkers to make sure they sit on the correct number. The Oddball fundraiser has been arranged through the Doddy Weir Foundation, named after the Scottish rugby player who was diagnosed with the disease. The Foundation's mission needs funds to help create a world free of motor neurone disease. Well-wishers can support the Stadium Challenge at www.justgiving.com and you need to look up the page for Robert Clark. Tennis courts across Enfield benefit from half a million LTA investment. Council-run tennis courts at 10 Enfield parks will be refurbished and upgraded thanks to the investment. 
New funding of more than half a million pounds will help Enfield Council refurbish and improve tennis courts across the borough. The Lawn, the Lawn Tennis Association, LTA, has partnered with the council to help ensure high-quality facilities are available for the local community at 12 Enfield tennis venues, with £643,476 being invested. The project is part of a nationwide investment delivered by the LTA to refurbish public tennis courts across the country and open the sport up to more people. In addition to investment of £588,456 from the Government and LTA Tennis, tennis Foundation, £55,020 will also be invested by Enfield Council. The venues being renovated are at Albany Park in Enfield Wash, Jubilee Park, Pimms Park and Craig Park in Edmonton, Durant's Park in Enfield Highway, Enfield Town Park, Hazelwood Recreation Ground in Palmer's Green, North Enfield Recreation Ground in Clay Hill, Oakwood Park and Ponder's End Recreation Ground. Work on all the courts starts this month and is due to be completed by early 2024. Alongside the investment in facilities, the council will appoint a tennis operator to develop tennis programmes across the parks and will work with the LTA to deliver a range of activities across the sites. This will include weekly free park tennis sessions for all ages, playing levels and experience where equipment is provided, meaning that people will not need someone to play with or to own a racket. Chinelu Anyanru, the council's cabinet member for the culture, public spaces and local economy, said, This funding will improve the quality of the tennis courts across Enfield. The refurbished courts will provide a great opportunity for more residents to take part in this fantastic, sociable sport and the appointment of an operator to offer a wide range of tennis activities will further enhance the opportunities for participation. We are keen to see a wide range of people use our courts. Younger people, more women and girls, people of all kinds of abilities from all four corners of the borough. This will be an exciting time for tennis in Enfield. Julie Porter, Chief Operating Officer at the LTA, said, We are delighted to be working with Enfield Council to improve their park tennis facilities and provide more opportunities for anyone to pick up a racket and get active. This investment is part of the government and LTA's parks tennis project and will mean that courts will be available for people to use for years to come. We will also be working closely with Enfield Council to ensure that the local community have a range of accessible opportunities to get on courts and open up our sport to many more people. Meanwhile, Arnos Park and Groveland's Park will now be available to book online via the LTA website, making it easy to find and book a court or activity. Lee Valley White Water Centre receives Outstanding Quest Award. Lee Valley White Water Centre has been recognised as an outstanding venue in a tough new two-day assessment by Sport England's continuous improvement tool for Leisure Facilities Quest. Quest was first established more than 20 years ago to measure how well a facility is operating and how effective organisations are across a range of topics. The renowned award has evolved over the years to keep pace with the ever-changing sport and leisure industry and distill the sector's best-known improvement programme with rigorous assessments, challenging even the very best leisure centres in the UK. Lee Valley White Water Centre is managed by GLL, a charitable social enterprise and worker-owned cooperative operating under the community brand Better and Underwent, the Quest Plus evaluation, with a number of compulsory modules including tackling inequalities and environmental management, as well as a variety of topics to help the facility make progress in specific areas of its business. The venue also went through a mystery visit and by achieving an overall rating of excellence in both Quest Plus and its mystery visit, the former Olympic Games venue has been awarded the accolade of Quest Outstanding. 
John Lee General Manager at Lee Valley Whitewater Centre said, We're delighted and immensely proud of the entire Lee Valley Whitewater Centre team for this exceptional achievement. Their unwavering dedication and tireless efforts in preparing for the assessment have paid off, and we are elated to have earned the coveted outstanding rating. Sean Dawson, Chief Executive at Lee Valley Regional Park Authority, added, We are thrilled with the results of this latest quest assessment. The outstanding rating reaffirms Lee Valley Whitewater Centre's position as a world-class venue and we extend our gratitude to our team and partners for their relentless efforts in maintaining the highest standards of customer service and safety. Quest Operations Director Carolyn Constantine said, Quest Plus is such a demanding process. By meeting Quest's high standards for excellent centres and achieving and an overall accolade of outstanding, Lee Valley Whitewater Centre has shown its commitment to providing quality facilities and service to its customers. To book an experience at Lee Valley Whitewater Centre, visit better.org.uk forward slash leisure hyphen centre forward slash Lee hyphen valley forward slash white hyphen water hyphen centre forward slash gift hyphen vouchers. The Kinks to be honoured on Camden's Music Walk of Fame. The Kinks who hail from Muswell Hill will be recognised with a stone on Camden Town's Music Walk of Fame and there's a lovely picture of a very, very young-looking Kinks. The Kinks, Janis Joplin, UB40 and the Buzzcocks are amongst those to be honoured on the Music Walk of Fame in London next month. Eleven artists will have a stone laid on the Camden-based trail in celebration of their contribution to the world of music from September the 4th to September the 9th. Hip-hop group The Sugar Hill Gang, Electric Avenue singer Eddie Grant, folk singer Billy Bragg, R&B group Shalimar, arts promoter Harvey Goldsmith, DJ Paul Trouble, Anderson, and founder of KISS FM Gordon Mack will also be commemorated. Singer-songwriter Joplin, who was one of the most prominent performers of the 1960s, will be the first American artist to be featured on the Music Walk of Fame. Launched in 2019, the Music Walk of Fame features award stones in the Camden Square Mile, which come to life with augmented reality technology. Well, we have reached the end of our programme for this week. Thank you for listening. So from the team of Mary, Sarah M and Hass on the controls, it's... Bye! Please remember to turn over the address label in your postal packet, put the memory stick into the packet in a closed position and return it to us as soon as possible in readiness for the next edition. Don't forget you can call Diane de Jersey regarding any help you may require in connection with Enfield Talking Newspaper on 078-998-54582. The Enfield Talking newspaper will be with you again in one week's time. Yeah.